This is Brain Diet, episode number 111. I love so much focusing on the food we feed our body, but I love even more focusing on the stuff we feed our brain. My name is Taylor Ann Macy, and I am a certified life coach. Welcome to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain the best information. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Brain Diet. What I am sharing with you today is a tool for peace. And isn't that what we all want more of? In some way or another, we are all seeking more peace in our lives. What I am sharing with you today is not a tool for happiness necessarily. I think that having the goal of overall happiness, it's a goal that we have been misinformed about. We have been misinformed that having the goal of being happy, that that's a good goal. I don't think that it is a good goal for us to want to be happy all of the time. We have been misinformed by being told that a state of happiness is achievable. There is no one that is happy all of the time. And the truth is, I don't think any of us would truly want to be if it came down to it. When we really give ourselves the chance to think about it, would we really want to be happy all the time when terrible things happen, when people that we love die, when there is horror and war in the world? Do we really want to be happy all of the time? I don't think we do. So when we are seeking to pursue happiness as an end goal, we do set ourselves up for failure. That being said, I do think we can strive for more peace. And that is why I am sharing with you today what I am sharing is this does not necessarily change our emotional state, but it changes our experience of it. And I'll stay with me. I'll tell you more of what I mean about this. The title of today's episode is being the watcher of your thoughts. Now, I've kind of taken this phrase from Eckhart Tolle. Now, he coined the phrase of being the watcher of your mind. So you can call it whatever you want to, and I'm going to elaborate on what it means. But I like the idea of being the watcher because of the visual that it creates. For a person to observe something, to watch something without engaging, without trying to change anything, there's a lot of peace in that. In episode 109, two episodes ago, it's called Your Body as a Tool. I started to talk about this and knew that I needed to do a more in-depth episode on it because it is such a game changer in the realm of mental health and how you feel every single day. So I would recommend going back and listening to that episode. It's a really awesome one when it comes to body image, self-image, and how to cultivate a more healthy version of whatever that is for you. But in that episode and throughout the podcast, frankly, I have mentioned that there is a part of you that has the ability to think about what you think about. There is a part of you that can watch 
your thoughts and feelings as they come and go. So you have thoughts and then you have that part of you that can see those thoughts, that can look at those and be like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, there's that thought running through my mind. That part of you that can observe these things within your body, that is who you are. You are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are a creation of your brain. Your body is a tool that's used to experience the world. It is a vessel that who you are is living in to experience the world. So you have this vessel, you have these tools, and you have a brain that offers thoughts that kind of helps you give labels to the world, that helps you understand the world and relate to it in a way that helps you survive. And those thoughts create feelings. And those feelings help drive your actions. All of that, I believe, is with the intent of creating a survivable experience in the world. But who you are is not those thoughts, it's not those feelings, and it's not your body. Those things are just tools that you have to relate to the world and to experience the world. But if we believe that we are our thoughts, if we believe that we are our feelings, then we can oftentimes fall victim to them. We can believe that we are less than or struggling more than we need to be because of the thoughts that we're having and because of the emotions we are experiencing. But this part of you, this ability to think about what you think about, this part can observe everything mentally and emotionally from a distance. This part has the capability to separate and to be the watcher. This separation is what takes the edge off of discomfort. The edge of discomfort, kind of like when you have a headache and you like take some ibuprofen and it like takes the edge off, you know what I'm talking about? This edge of discomfort, it isn't actually from the discomfort, ironically. The edge that we create relative to emotions is from the resistance to what we are experiencing. Here's what I mean by this. Let's say you're experiencing anxiety. So, okay, we have this anxiety that's happening in our bodies. It's created by our thoughts and it's vibrating through our bodies. So we have it. And if we have the thought about it, like, oh, I hate this feeling. Oh, I've got anxiety. Oh, I hate this feeling, right? Hatred on top of anxiety gives an edge to the anxiety, like not wanting to experience it, wanting to run away from it, wanting to resist it. That creates an edge versus if we are the watcher of anxiety, we can say, yes, I can see this anxiety ebbing and flowing through my body. I wonder what will happen next. I wonder what its purpose is. I wonder why my brain and my body believe that this anxiety is useful. As the watcher, you don't judge the anxiety. You don't judge it as good or bad. You don't judge it as something that needs to change. Again, you are just the watcher. You are just the observer. This is how we cultivate more peace in our lives. We stop hating the reality of what we're experiencing and instead be curious about it. Instead, be accepting of it as being a part of our current experience in that moment. Now, it takes practice to know your thoughts and to name your feelings. Sometimes when we try to even identify the thoughts for us to watch, it can be difficult because it's a skill. It's like learning any new skill that you need to practice. Practice getting to know the thoughts that are going through your mind. And the more you practice getting to know them, 
the more you can create separation from them. The more that you can create that distance and the more you can take that edge off of the resistance to everything that you are experiencing. And sometimes it can just be for fun. It can be really interesting just to tap into what is going on for you. It's almost like you are getting to know yourself in this way, even though who you are yourself is the part that can observe it. This is a part of you in this earthly experience is your body and your thoughts and your feelings. And so to be able to get to know this part of you can be really empowering. Just like in any relationship, isn't it fun with someone that you love when you're able to learn something new about them and get to know them in a different way? I think that's what creates relationships that are so awesome is when we are continuing to get to know other people. And this also applies to us when we are continuing to get to know ourselves and be compassionate and be curious with what we find and observe, we develop such an intimate relationship with ourselves to the point where we become our best ally, which if we are with ourselves from now until forever, being our own best ally, I think is an endeavor worth pursuing. So what are you thinking? As you are here listening to my voice, what are the thoughts you are having about what I am saying? See if you can tap into that. See in this moment, if you can tap into the emotion that you're feeling, how would you describe it? What comes up for you? What are you feeling in your body in this moment? If what you are feeling now or at a different time is especially intense, it's a great opportunity to lean into the discomfort as Brene Brown says, and open up towards yourself in this way to say, okay, I'm experiencing some really uncomfortable emotions, some really intense emotions, that must mean there's a lot of information there that I just should go and observe and pay attention to. I don't even need to do anything about it. But just for me to be aware of it is going to help me know what will be best for me moving forward. I want to give you some examples of all of this, some common places where we can watch our mind that I believe are extremely valuable. I will say watching our mind at all times is going to serve you in some way. Being aware of what you are thinking and feeling is going to help you know how to best care for yourself, how to best look out for yourself. Even if you don't change anything, even if we don't change the thoughts or change the emotions, just to be aware is an act of self-love. So let's talk about some common places that I think are valuable. The first is when it comes to urges. When we are experiencing an urge to do something, to grab our phone and scroll social media, to reach for food in particular. These urges, from what I have seen in my clients, are those that we tend to want to quiet the most. It's a quick thing that we feel the need to react to very promptly that we want to shut down, right? It's like, oh, I'm feeling something uncomfortable. I want to go grab some food. And we don't even think about it. We just go and do it. We're like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit bored. I want to grab my phone and scroll some social media, right? We have an urge to do something in this way. Because these are the ones that we react to so quickly, this is where I believe we have such a great opportunity to get to know ourselves in a more deep way. What is required is that we slow down and we parse out the information because otherwise we will be acting too quickly. We just want to shut it down before it goes any further. When we have an urge and we slow down, this is usually how it breaks down. We have information in front of us. For example, you have a donut that's placed in front of you. It's like, okay, this is the information of my outside surroundings. I have a donut in front of me. 
And then we have a thought. I need that. I want that. That would taste really good. Like some version of this, right? In regard to this donut. And that creates an urge, right? So all of this is going to happen in a matter of a second or two, which is why we have the opportunity to slow down because it can be so quick. So when we can slow down and piece out this information, like, okay, here's the donut, here's my thought, and I'm now experiencing an urge. Then comes this opportunity that we have been discussing to watch. Like, okay, I'm sitting here and I can see that I'm having an urge in my body to do something. I'm having an urge in my body to reach for that donut and eat it when maybe I'm not hungry. If I look at this sentence, I need that. Why am I telling myself that? Why is that a thought that I'm thinking right now? What is it that I would be avoiding if I acted on this search? What do I believe to be problematic right now that needs solving? Even though the urge is only a couple of seconds, it's not like this whole process is going to take tons of time. In 10 seconds, you can do that whole process of being like, oh, okay, I'm experiencing an urge. I'm just going to sit with it and watch it for a minute for 10 seconds. Just those extra seconds of space are so powerful in pausing you enough to check in and be like, okay, what is it that my body is telling me and how can I understand it with some compassion and then move forward? Because odds are you are experiencing something that you don't want to experience. You want to avoid it, whether it's boredom or restlessness. And so you want to muffle that away by eating a donut. So instead of just going through that motion without questioning it, you have the ability to watch. You can watch the thought in your mind. I need that. You can watch the emotion in your body, this urge, right? Maybe you feel that in the center of your chest. Urges are a really awesome opportunity for us to get to know ourselves because we don't even question these ones. The next area that is a great place to pay attention to the thoughts in your mind and to watch them is negative self-talk. We at all times have the ability to direct our mind always. That does not mean, though, that we control what is initially offered. It's that we control ourselves in response to it. So just as we have talked about being the watcher, your mind might offer something that's really mean about yourself, about your body. We can't control that initial offering, but we can sit there and watch it. And we can be like, okay, before I believe this sentence that maybe I'm not good enough, I'm just going to observe this thought that my brain is offering. It is just a sentence after all. It's not a truth. It's just something that for whatever reason, my brain decided to throw at me today. So let's say you're not good enough. Sentence pops into your mind. You slow down. Like, hmm, okay. That's where we're at today. That's what's happening. That's the truth of what thought is in my brain right now. And I can just watch it. Sometimes Negative self-talk has slow enough momentum that we can start to question it and break it down. Just like I was doing with the urge a minute ago, we can start to break down that thought. Like, do I really need it? Do I really want it? What else is going on for me? Right? We have the opportunity to ask ourselves some questions and not with the intent to change it necessarily, but just to kind of poke at it. Be like, all right, what is this? Why is this coming up for me? Sometimes the momentum is slow enough that we have that chance to break down what comes up for us. Other times, that lower brain, that primal brain is just throwing a tantrum. And you know what? We just have to supervise it instead of trying to break it down at all. It's more a matter of being like, okay, I can see that this is what's going on in my mind today. I'm not even going to try to break it down. I'm just going to let it be there. I'm going to supervise it and I'm not going to take action on it. 
Either way, we are always watching. We do not have to allow negative self-talk to go beyond the thought. We can allow it to come up in our brain because we can't control that. And that's where it ends. We are the ones in charge. This was me last week. I had a day where I was feeling so angry, right? And I could have sat down and I could have done the work. I don't, I don't know. I still don't know why. I just felt all day like I just was feeling so bugged and angry and it was kind of just a weird day. And instead of allowing myself to like act on that anger and snap and not be nice, I said to my husband, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm experiencing some anger right now. I might be a little bit more quiet today, but I want you to know that it's not because of you. I'm not really sure why it's here, but I'm not going to be mean. I'm just going to be a little bit more quiet. I'm just going to supervise this. I'm just going to make sure that I don't react to this, that I don't act on this because I know it's not really who I want to be. But I am just going to allow this anger to be here because that is what's coming up for me right now. Right? My husband was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) But I'm like, listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at anyone in this house. I'm just really mad for some reason. And so I'm just going to let myself be mad, but I'm not going to act on it. Right? And so that right there was power in changing my whole day. Instead of being like, well, let's not be angry. Let's try to be positive. Let's see the bright side. I was like, no, the truth is I am angry. And it's coming from thoughts that I'm having and I don't really know what they are, but the truth is it was really like intense in my body for that day. And so I just decided I'm just going to let it hang out for today. I'm going to get on with my day. I'm going to be nice to my husband. I'm going to be nice to my kids and I'm still going to feel angry just because I'm angry doesn't mean I have to act on it. That's where our power is, is to be able to stop it at the feeling and just supervise it instead of allowing ourselves just to be like, well, this is what I'm feeling. So I'm just going to be pissed off today. Like that's not cool. You have the power to feel what you're feeling and not act on it if you want to. Another great place to watch your mind is when it comes to fear. For example, if you felt fear walking into a gym, if you were afraid of people looking at you, if you were afraid of making a mistake, if you were afraid of people criticizing you for what you looked like, if there was any type of fear walking into a gym or any room for that matter, you have the opportunity to watch your thoughts as they come up. Like, let's say you walked into a gym and you're like, oh, they might think I look fat in these pants. There's a thought. That's an interesting one. Let's just watch that thought and kind of let it come and go. What if I don't know what to do while I'm sitting here in the gym and I want to lift weights? There's another thought. Like, okay, there's your brain's freaking out that you might not know what to do. I might look stupid. Great. There's another thought. Watch those thoughts. And before you just believe them, like I might look stupid. Oh yeah, I might. And then you just kind of let it snowball. It's like, okay, here's the sentence. I might look stupid. This is what my brain wants to offer. I can just watch that thought and I can continue on. I can keep walking. I can walk over to the weights and I can do something that's scary, right? Watch those thoughts and respond to them as you might to a little child. Like let's say you were walking with a kid and they were like, I'm feeling really afraid that someone might be mean to me. You'd be like, hey, you know what? Sometimes people are mean but guess what? I'm here for you. I'm going to make sure that I'll have your back. And if people want to be mean, that's fine. They're allowed to, but I'm going to make sure I take care of you and I will be here and I will be your number one cheerleader and ally. You aren't shutting down the fear. You're saying, yes, fear. We can hang out together. Let's be here. Fear, this emotion, thoughts that I'm having is creating this fear. Let's hang out. I don't need to get rid of this fear. I can just let it exist. I can know that I'm the one that's causing it with my own thoughts. And because of that, I don't really have anything to fear. Fear comes from our mind and not from things outside of us. And so because of that, we don't have to get rid of the fear. 
We think that when we have fear, it means that something is foreboding, that something really bad is going to happen. When really fear just comes from thoughts that we have and we can just allow that experience to be there and watch it. Be the watcher of the fear and take action anyway. Be the watcher of the thoughts creating the fear and take action anyway. You really don't have anything to fear. Another example is thoughts around food, right? This is a great place for us to really improve our relationship with food is when we can become very self-aware of the thoughts that we are having about food. So right now, think about this. Do you have any of the following emotions when it comes to food? Do you have any fear around food? Do you have any hatred around food? Do you have any disgust around food? Do you have any shame around food? Do you have any intense emotion period about food? Anything. If the answer is yes, then we have to pause and say, okay, these emotions are not because of the food. They are because of the thoughts you are having about food. So what are those thoughts? If you're feeling shame around eating something, it's not because you ate it. It's because of what you made it mean. It's because of the thought that you are having about the fact that you ate the donut. So what are you thinking about yourself and having eaten a donut that makes you feel shame? Maybe that donuts mean you're a bad person. If you eat donuts, you're a bad person. If you eat donuts, you're unhealthy. Interesting. Those are thoughts that your brain might offer. So you can watch those. Like, okay, this is what my brain wants to believe about this. This is the label that my brain wants to attach to food. Improving your relationship with food starts by noticing how you think about it. Just like how you think about a person. If you think about someone that you love, you think very loving thoughts about them. My husband, I'm like, he is so awesome. He's such a good dad. He's so kind. He's so supportive. I'm thinking those thoughts all the time about him. So I love him all the time because I'm thinking such great thoughts. And if I weren't thinking those thoughts, if I were thinking thoughts that made me feel afraid or hateful or disgusted or ashamed, it wouldn't be because of him. It would be because of me and the thoughts that I was thinking about him. So if I want to improve my relationship with food, just as I would with a person, I got to start thinking really strategic and loving thoughts about the food that allow me to have a relationship with it that serves me in the goals that I have in my life and in my health. Identify your food thoughts. What do you think about food? And just watch them. Like take a step back from these thoughts that you're having and observe them. Like, isn't it interesting that my brain thinks that donuts are unhealthy? Is that a fact? No. Donuts are just a series of ingredients and they do certain things in the body. Does that mean that they are bad or unhealthy? No, it's just a food that exists in the world. So instead you can just watch the thought. Ah, donuts are unhealthy. That's an interesting sentence that my brain wants to believe. I can sit and I can observe it. I can create some space from it so it doesn't feel so true and so painful every time I eat it. Yeah? The last example of a great place to watch your brain is in worst case scenario. When your brain goes to worst case scenario, we tend to believe it sometimes. But just because your brain goes there, it doesn't mean it's foretelling of anything. So allow your brain to go to worst case scenario. We don't need to resist our brain going anywhere. None of this is about resistance. It is about allowing, allowing our brain to be a brain and then controlling who we want to be in response. So let your brain go to worst case scenario in whatever way and just kind of watch it freak out. I did this earlier this week. My mom and dad and my sister went on a road trip and my brain went down this weird road of like, 
what if they just like crashed and died on the road and I didn't know and they couldn't figure out who they were and they couldn't contact us. Like it just went down this really strange, unlikely road, right? But I didn't try to stop it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, sure, that is a possibility. This crazy scenario that I've created in my mind, it's a possibility. I'm not going to bury my head in the sand about it. But also, I'm just going to watch my brain freak out. I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to react to it. I'm just going to observe my brain. And in doing that, I don't increase my anxiety about what might happen in the world. I just accept that my brain is being a brain. I accept that, yeah, maybe that's true. I can allow that to be true. And I'm just going to watch my brain have all of these thoughts about it and create separation from it so it's not so painful. So in your life, where do you feel big emotions? And without changing those emotions, how can you just step back and watch them? If you experience anxiety, I challenge you to do this. How can you just take a step back from it and watch it? And instead of saying, I hate this, be like, okay, this is what's happening for me. I'm experiencing this. I don't need to change this. I don't need to solve for this. I can just watch this. I will be the casual observer. What thoughts are you thinking that are causing some of those big emotions? And how can you step back and observe those as they come and go? This is a huge skill in cultivating more peace in your life because your brain is going to do a lot of really interesting and intense and painful things. And I'm not telling you to stop any of those things. Instead, I'm telling you just to watch your brain do these things. Allow it to do these things. Be the observer. Don't get involved. Don't engage. And just let it be. Your brain is amazing. Thoughts and feelings are amazing. They are such cool tools that allow us to interact with the world and interact with each other and to help us survive in a way. So be more of an observer to who you are and this part of you than simply a victim. Don't resist wherever your brain wants to go. Allow it, watch it, and supervise it. That is all I have for you, everybody. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Hey, do you have a coach guiding you through your weight journey? If not, I would be so thrilled to be yours. I want to invite you to come work with me in my private one-on-one -on -one program, where I create an individualized plan for you based on your body in order to create the results that you want. I teach you how to not even want the foods that are sabotaging your physical goals, all while learning how to be more confident, how to feel better, and how to up-level your life. We work to create the body that you want and to feel good doing it. To sign up for a free mini session with me, check out the link in the show notes. I'll see you soon.